Praise the Lord. This is Pastor Johnson from Bethel Lady Church. Thank you for downloading our podcast. We are so glad we could connect with you through this podcast. Please ensure you subscribe to receive new messages every week. We pray this podcast builds your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and motivates you to live a life of excellence for the glory of our Lord. Thank you for your support. Enjoy the message. We've been studying on a series from the Bible as we do every month. We pick up a study topic and we study it through the month. And t- today we want to continue on learning about prayer. You know, whenever you talk about a computer, uh, the, the question that people want to know, especially if they know gadgets, they ask, what's the configuration? Or they say there's a new mobile come out. Uh-huh, what's the configuration? Uh, what they're really asking is, what kind of cameras do they have? What kind of internal circuits do they have? What kind of internal chips? You know, what kind of motherboards? What kind of internal energy, internal efficiency, internal functioning? What is the integrity of what is on the inside? You know, when people talk about cars, really they don't, a lot of people don't just buy a vehicle based on how it looks on the outside, but they think about what's on the inside. What's happening with the engine? How is the uh, automatic gearbox or whatever else that are important in the integrity of the car, the safety. Configuration is so important. It's exactly the same with prayer. The Lord Jesus taught about the configuration of prayer. The better its configuration, the more effective the prayer, all right? I just used the language of science to explain the language of spirituality. Configuration of what you make your prayer of, what is in that prayer, what components and how they connect with each other within the concept of prayer, can affect the efficiency of prayer. One of the most common passages of prayer in the Holy Bible is in Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 7 where Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks it will be opened and the first thing that we all understand here as we're going to study the configuration of prayer for effectiveness for better results is the fact that when you talk about prayer God is primarily talking to those of us who have become his children through faith in Christ So a lot of these may not really matter in functioning so effectively for those who don't have that deep relationship and bonding with God through faith in Christ Jesus. So let's look at what the Lord was saying there about asking, seeking and knocking. And I want to tie it all down through three simple stories from the Holy Bible. So the Bible is saying that this is an internal configuration of a successful prayer, more like a progression of prayer. Ask, the word ask, what the Lord was saying is very simple. Be specific in your desire. When you express, be clear about your need. It's something that you want to ask. A lot of times when you look at children and say, do you want to eat now? 
Not sure. What do you want to eat? Not sure. And that's why they don't even want to say they want to eat. Why? Because they don't feel it. A lot of times we don't even know what to pray. Oh, it's prayer time. I need to pray now. But what do I pray for? Nothing. A lot of times we don't know what we want. Before we ask, we got to become specific about what we want to ask. Now, the question here is this. All right, we want to ask. But are we really ready to receive? When you talk about specific prayers, are we really ready to receive? Because the fact is, people are not always ready to receive a change. People are not always ready to receive a difference from what they expected. Because sometimes when you ask and if God really wants to give it to you, I don't know if we are ready to have it. There are people who've, who've prayed and got a job and then really got upset about it. There are people who've prayed and got a marriage and then just wish they never prayed for it. There are people who asked God for a visa and when they traveled, they found that it was the worst thing that could happen to them. So are you really ready to get from God what you're asking for? Are you specific? Have you thought through it? And this is why we need to be led by the Holy Spirit. Being specific in prayer is important. I've heard this beautiful story. It happened in our church, and I want to uh, say this to us. Being specific is so effective. This young lady came to me and said, Pastor, you know, I'm about 28 years of age, and I'm not yet married, and I'm not sure what to do because I've been looking out for marriage from the time I'm 24. Okay, and uh, somehow it's not happening. I'm a very educated person, earning well. God's given me unusual success. I happen to travel as a part of my work, uh, but somehow my marriage is not happening. All my brothers, my sisters, all married, cousins, all married. I'm the last in that generation, but not yet married. Somehow proposals don't work. So I said, all right, do you know whom you want to marry? And she said, uh, well, I just want a, this is standard Christian answer. I want a God-fearing man. I said, not every man who fears God is good for you, you know. You want someone that's made for you, so what more do you want? Then she began to think and she began to answer me. So I said, look, I have heard about another pastor who asked this for his congregation and how in his congregation many marriages happen like that. So I'm going to ask you to try the same. It's this, be specific in prayer. Write down on a piece of paper what languages you want the man you marry to know. What kind of a height you like him to have. What kind of a, you know, personal traits and characteristics you like to have? What kind of ambitions you like him to have? What kind of age group you want him to be in? Now, just put down maybe seven or 10 points that you think you want your husband to have, all right? And then stick it on the mirror where you dress up every day or keep it in your Bible that you read every day. And every day, put your hand on it and say, Lord, thank you that you're giving me a man with this quality. Read out those qualities. Imagine that kind of a person and say, Lord, this is the kind of man I want. 
I thank you that you're going to provide him for me. And while you're making that prayer, if the Holy Spirit corrects your prayer and you feel the Holy Spirit saying, change the way you're asking things and, and you want to change some points there because you feel in your spirit that God has something different for you, then you correct those points and continue to pray and seek the Lord. Well, in four months... In four months, that young lady in our church who started to pray like this every day had a beautiful marriage and guess how he looked? That boy fulfilled all the 10 qualities she had written down on that paper. In my own life, when I started praying for my marriage, I started to write down a couple of things and the Holy Spirit began to tell me, change that, change the other. And I ended up with three simple things that I wanted in the girl I thought God was going to bring in my life as I prayed about it. You know what, brothers and sisters? I want you and me to know something. It's important to be specific in prayer. Don't be vague because God sometimes doesn't answer vague prayers, all right? We need to get as specific and as accurate as you can be about the top issues that really concern you and you want to pray. So when you pray, align your prayer with the scriptural mandate. God says when you ask something, ask it in faith, believing that you've received it. When you ask something, you know, you got to ask it in unity, in agreement with whoever else is praying with you on that topic. And if you're praying about it by yourself, then within you, you don't want a conflict on that. Sometimes, you know, when you're asking for something at the back of your mind, you're already wondering, is it what I really want? Is that what I really want to do? If you have an internal conflict on something, wait till you can have internal unity within you on that topic. You don't want your emotions to fight with your intellect on a topic of prayer. You want all of within you to agree and get specific in what you're praying. It is so important that we align our prayer in scriptural pattern. So don't let your prayer contradict any part of the Bible. If your prayer is contradicting a scriptural value, then it's doubtful God will answer that prayer. It's quite possible evil spirits will help you get it because anything that contradicts God's word will have demonic support. And you don't want that kind of a support in your life. Ask God for things just as you want it. Be specific. And when you're specific, sometimes it's embarrassingly specific. Let me show it to you from the Bible. There's this guy in Mark chapter 10 and verse 51. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What will thou that I should do to you? And the blind man said unto him, Lord, I want to receive my sight. And the Lord Jesus healed him immediately. Well, now when we read that passage, it doesn't, it really doesn't strike much. But when you really start looking at it, it does strike strong. And what strikes strong in that story is this. The Lord Jesus was moving from town to town, preaching the good news of salvation in his holy sacrifice that he would offer himself on the cross of Calvary. 
And in the meanwhile, out of compassion, he healed the sick. He cast out demons. Out of compassion. Jesus didn't do that to prove he's the son of God. Jesus did that out of love for people. Out of compassion for people. Because he cares about each one of us. Now the Bible says, at one point, there were a group of blind people. And one of them began to shout out, Jesus, son of God, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. It sounds like a traditional prayer, isn't it? Oh God, have mercy on me. And so the people around the Lord Jesus told that blind man, keep quiet. I mean, look at the other blind guys. They are begging, but they're not making a big fuss. You just got to know Christ Jesus is walking. That doesn't mean you shout out loud like this. I mean, be quiet. But the Lord Jesus stopped. Oh, I love that. I love that. You know, even though it was a vague prayer, Jesus stopped for one guy. Jesus stopped the entire procession for one person. Sometimes the Lord can stop a lot of activity over one prayer to make sure one person who is missing is brought into the fold. Hallelujah. The Bible says this person, as he was shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the people tried to silence him. The Lord stopped his journey and said, wait. Get that guy to me. He's calling for me. Help him. So they went to him and said, hey, cheer up, man. The boss, the Lord is calling you. And so they helped him to walk towards Jesus. And then Jesus asked him the question that you just read. Jesus asked him, blind man, what do you want me to do for you? This is the whole problem here. Isn't it so easy to guess the guy wants to see? Lord Jesus, do you really have to ask what he wants? Isn't it obvious he's blind? He just wants to see. Now, isn't that the reason he's saying, have mercy on me, have mercy on me? The Lord Jesus says something beautiful. What do you want? The guy says, I want to see. The point is, is, the Lord knew very well he wanted to see. The Lord knew very well the blind man wanted his eyes open. The Lord Jesus knew very well he was going to do the miracle. The Lord Jesus knew he was going to heal him. Then why this tamasha? Why this drama? Why this question? What do you want me to do for you? The Lord Jesus, when he asked that question, and the guy says, I want to see. The Lord said, done. Let it be to you according to your faith. Let it be according to your prayer. What was the Lord Jesus really teaching there? Look, there were a group of blind men there. None of them had sight that day. But one man who learned to be specific in prayer, who knew how to ask, he started with worship, but he ended with a specific prayer and he walked out visualizing seeing the miracle that he asked for. I believe in my heart today can be a day a lot of blindness is going out, a lot of miracles are happening simply because we've learned to ask with a sense of boldness. Well, this man didn't say, oh, I'm sorry, I shouted, I'm sorry, maybe I shouldn't have asked. No, he knew he was standing before his maker. He knew he had a relationship with the son of David. He knew he had a relationship with the master and that he could be healed. 
When the Lord pays attention to you, don't be vague about what you want. Be specific. Jesus likes to heal people. If this guy was saying, Lord, I'm blind and I want everyone else to be blind, I'm sure the Lord wouldn't have done that. I'm sure the Lord would have said, no, I don't make others blind. But when he asked for sight, it was in keeping with the plan of God. It was in keeping with the way God works. When you and I pray, let's learn to ask in keeping with God's greater plan over our lives. Let's not ask anything that offends the greater plan of God. Ask and it shall be given. Are we ready to receive? God is ready to give. Second, seek. It's interesting, the word seek Jobless people seek a job. Police is seeking for a law and order situation to make sure things are fine. I understand that. A chef is seeking for ingredients to cook. I understand that. When people go to college, they are seeking for more than just education. <laughs> we all understand that. <laughs> when someone goes to a hotel, they, they are looking for something to eat or stay. Somewhere to stay. We understand that. But in prayer, why seeking in prayer? What do we seek in prayer? Now, that's important. Asking in prayer, we understand it's about talking and not just thinking. But when it comes to seeking in prayer, it's something many a times we, we kind of miss out. And, and the Bible wants to tell us when you seek in prayer... When you seek God's will in prayer, it's really trying to sense God's opinion on your request. You're trying to figure out God's heart on what you are seeking. Because sometimes you're seeking too low and God is like, mm -mm, I'm not interested in giving you that. Why? Because God has something greater in mind for you. So seeking in prayer is an important configuration of prayer. A prayer that doesn't have seeking in it is an inefficient prayer. Seek God with all your heart. And this is where wisdom and truth come into picture. Seeking, you know, a lot of times we, we are willing to seek, but we're not prepared for what we are going to find. We're not happy uh, to find what we're going to find. We seek with hope that we will only find what we want. And we don't want to know the truth. A lot of times, God says, when you're seeking, apply a sense of truth and wisdom to your seeking. Why? Because seeking requires you to be patient. It's a sort of preparing in the direction for what you're asking so that you'll be ready to handle what God is going to put in your hands. That's really what seeking is. Seeking is a process of applying wisdom to your prayer where you're preparing and, and, and allowing God's grace to make you who you ought to be towards handling what God is bringing in your life. Amen. In fact, the word seek is attached to that very popular scripture in the Bible in Matthew chapter 6. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all what you're asking will be added to you. So seek for God's kingdom. Look at how he can be your leader in this matter. You know, a lot of times I, off late I tell you, every day I'm sitting in the church 
morning onwards, meeting people who come for prayer. And I have so many people coming from all over the town, uh, sometimes from overseas or other states, just coming for a word of prayer. And I tell you, a majority of them come and say, I'm just coming to say thanks to God. Wanted to come to church, meet with you, Pastor and say thanks to God because in the last one year, in the last two year, in the last three year, God answered my prayer. God heard my prayer. God blessed me. I asked for this much, but God gave me this much. I asked for little, but God gave me much more. He blessed me. That's the nature of our God. Hallelujah. That's the nature of our God. That's the character of our God. That's the way our God works. He is a prayer answering God. And when you seek him, he will direct your path into something beyond what you even expected or imagined. And this is what really happened in Luke chapter 24 and verse number five. Let's read that together. As they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, why seek he the living among the dead? This is the story of seekers, okay? So there are these two, three women, Mary Magdalene and a few others, who early in the morning are going with frankincense, they're going with myrrh, they're going with spices to anoint the dead body of the Lord Jesus. They're seeking his dead body in the graveyard, in the grave where they know Jesus was buried. Okay, and they are seeking him. What are they prepared for? They are prepared for a dead body. But what do they find? A living body. And the angel says to them, why do you seek the living? Christ is alive. Why do you seek him among those that are dead and will never come back? A lot of times when you're seeking my brother, be ready to find something beyond what you were prepared for. Because when you seek in prayer, it's not like looking for matrimonials in the newspaper. It's not like looking for job vacancies in the portfolio. It's not like looking for friends on the Facebook. When you look for something in prayer, you will get something beyond the grave, out of the grave. You will get something beyond the dead, that which is alive. Hallelujah. Why seek ye the living among the dead? Yes, they were seeking. The Lord never said seeking was wrong. He only said, why did you expect so low? Because when you expect something in Christ, you can expect much higher. Hallelujah. Ask. Be specific. Seek. Be willing to understand his opinion, his will, his truth. Have the wisdom to change what you're asking based on what God is going to show you. Wow. I feel in my heart the Lord is really dealing with some of us. Third, knock. The word there is knock. A good configuration of prayer will have knocking action there. Knocking is an action. All the three are verbs. All the three are actions. But you see, prayer is something you do beyond staying on your knees. A lot of times people stay on their knees and ask, but when they get up, they behave in total contradiction to what they asked while they were kneeling down. And it doesn't work like that. Your whole lifestyle should be configured, you know, should have integrity in the direction of your prayer. Amen. Once I was praying, Lord, those days I was praying, I thought 3,000 people is like a big number. Okay, Initially I thought 300 was a big number. And I would pray, give me 300 people in church, Lord. Then I made it 3,000. 
after certain progress, okay? After I crossed 300 and 500 and 1,000, I, I started praying for 2,000 people and then I made it 3,000. And when I crossed 3,000, I started praying for 10,000. And when I realized we crossed 10,000, I said, God, now just give me bigger numbers. Now, I'm saying these numbers now. Earlier, I wouldn't say these numbers, okay? Now I say, God, let it be as large as you want it to be. Let it be your way, your will, and I just leave it to God. I do have secret numbers, but I don't talk about it. Well, the Bible is saying we need to live a lifestyle that is not contradictory to prayer. And so when I used to pray these kind of numbers, I began to realize as a pastor, I got to behave in a way that keeps up with a pastor of that kind of a number of a cosmopolitan church, a church where multiple cultures come together, multiple language groups come together, multiple nationalities come together. I, I got to be careful to behave in a way and preach in a way and interact in a way that respects every community, that respects all kinds of people. I began to change, why? My personal life and the way I think began to change around the way I prayed so that my prayer and my personal life wouldn't contradict. Do your prayers and your personal life contradict? Do you expect God to bless you in prayer but behave in a way that God really can't bless? We got to be careful that our prayer life has a configuration of not just asking, not just seeking, but also knocking, having a lifestyle of opening the right doors. Hallelujah. Now, this is, this is so important because this really requires discernment and action. The concept of knocking requires discernment. You need to discern which door to knock. You don't want to go and knock every other door behind which the devil is waiting. You want to knock on the doors which God has kept for you to open or for them to be opened for you. And so discernment, understanding the will of God. In fact, throughout prayer, there are certain standards like faith, understanding the will of God, going by the promises of God, praying in accordance with the word of God. These are all standards that you apply at every stage of prayer. And the Bible says, God says to Moses something so interesting when it comes to knocking, right? Well, this is a little more harder than knocking. This is literally beating. Let's read that. Exodus chapter 17 and verse number 6. Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it, and the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. This is a classic story. What happened? The people of Israel walked out of Egypt. They were walking into the promised land. And the Bible says in chapter 17 of Exodus that God took them through a different route because God didn't want them to engage in battles that would weaken their mind. So the Bible says they went through the desert way to avoid a lot of battles with kingdoms through which they may have to pass if they take the short route. So they took the longer route. Now, as they were taking the longer route and God was leading Israel through Moses, they came to this place called the Red Sea. You know, the Red Sea is really called the Red Sea uh, because um, the mountains around the Red Sea have a, a, a different color from the usual. And in the sunlight, the waters of the Red Sea look red. They don't look blue. That's why it's called the Red Sea. Now, 
The Bible says, when the children of Israel came between mountains, across, uh, facing the Red Sea, and they turned around, and they, uh, by the way, they all rested there for some time, because they were journeying for quite a few hours now, so they all rested. It's about a million and a half, some people say two million people. But when they turned around, man, Pharaoh and his chariots and charioteurs, all of them coming to imprison, incarcerate the entire crowd and take them back as slaves. And then they began to cry. So God told Moses, pick up the rod and the Red Sea was divided into two. They crossed over. Pharaoh tried to cross over and the guy was dead in the water. Israel crossed over, they came across and began to walk. As they were walking, all of this happened in Exodus chapter 15 onwards. But when they crossed over and they came to a place which was dry in the desert and they began to ask Moses for water, where? In the desert. Moses goes to God and says, God, we've run out of water. People want water. Would you please answer quickly? Because you know what? This is an SOS emergency. If you don't answer now, they're going to stone me to death. You know, sometimes we need an urgent answer and God understands it. He works with mercy and grace. Hallelujah. He doesn't work slow. He doesn't work careless. He understands our need. When Moses said, God, you better send some water immediately or we are finished. God said, don't worry. You see the rod in your hand? Take the rod and go to the rock I will show you. I will be upon that rock. That huge rock near Mount Horeb, go there and beat the rock and water will come out of the rock. Man, I tell you, see, this is where you need to have discernment. If Moses would have started knocking every rock in town to figure out from which one water is going to come, I think before water would come, his rod would have been broken into many pieces, tapping every rock. This is where you need discernment to knock at the right one. Because there are some places where God is waiting for you to knock that it can be opened. There are some wrong doors. The devil is hoping you will knock so he can trap you in it. Have prayer as a part of your basics. People in the world are not ashamed to pray. Rich people, educated people are not afraid of doing their five times a day prayer, chanting their mantras or educated politicians or businessmen. Rich people, they're not ashamed of keeping an idol of their God in front of their house and bowing down to it or worshipping it. And, and they are so dutiful in doing it. Why is it that sometimes Christian people consider prayer much more, I don't know how to say this, careless, casual? Don't take God's grace and mercy too granted. When others have no shame, and are bold and proud about their prayer, how much more you and I should be committed to Christ who came out of the grave and gave you and me a story of an open heaven. How much more we should learn to talk to our master with a sense of pride, with a sense of belonging, hallelujah, with a sense of respect and awe. Amen. Hallelujah. Devotion is not a bad thing. Devotion is a good thing. Be devoted to Christ, your Lord. Be committed to Christ. And that's something that you want to do because it is the best thing to do.
Moses took the rod and he hit the rock, the right rock, and gallons, liters of water, I would say cusacks of water began to flow out. Hallelujah. Huge quantity of water, like a river. And I love the way the Bible says in the New Testament, and the water followed them where they went. Amen. In fact, at times I think God broke the laws of physics and gravity where the water followed them as they journeyed. God wants you and me to know something. You don't knock on every other door. You knock on the doors where you know God is asking you to knock. Then you don't get tired. Then you don't get upset. Then you don't have to fight unnecessary battles. Then you don't have to really worry about things beyond your control. Because when you knock on the right door, what God promised will happen. Hallelujah. Our God is a faithful God. Make sure our prayers have this configuration, this progression of asking, seeking, and knocking. It involves an entire lifestyle. It involves an entire paradigm of thinking. It's not just what we do by our bedside with the lights off, kneeling down, talking to him. It also involves our daily life on how we live because we want to live in a way that honors what we prayed in our prayer. That's the kind of thing that God wants you to have and me to have. Asking, seeking, and knocking is a process of marinating your prayer, is a process of saturating your prayer, is a process of indulging your prayer with the right configuration. And I strongly believe in my heart, we're going to see unusual miracles happening in the name of Jesus. Why? Because our God is a prayer answering God. I'm telling you, for some of us, we're going to have a revival in our prayer life. We're going to see how God is going to change things. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. Wherever you are, ask the Lord for a change. Ask the Lord for a blessing. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Ask the Lord for a transformation. Heavenly Father, this beautiful day, we want to say thank you, Lord. Thank you because you are a prayer answering God. And I pray for each one of us that are here, asking you for your touch, asking you for your will to be done. Thank you that even at times if it feels like it's longer than usual that you are a prayer answering God and that you are involved in the helm of our lives and you've got a way of controlling things for us we appreciate your work in our lives Holy Spirit thank you that you're transforming our lives bless your people in abundance prosper them help us hear your plan for our lives that we will ask and seek and knock in a way that honors your will, in a way that has faith in what you plan for us, prepared for a change, prepared for a growth, prepared for a transformation. We love you, Master. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. I believe that you are blessed. Please connect with us for prayer or counseling. Please do call us or visit our website or visit us. The details are given in the description. We'll be glad to serve you. Do subscribe so you can receive the latest podcast to encourage you in your journey in Christ. 
Please do share it with your friends too by clicking the share button. We are praying for you. God has great plans for your life. Thanks again for participating, listening. God bless you.